0: number one podcast of the topics the guests and all of the contrast they ain't focused on the views and the traffic what's the point of shining if no jewels for the masses we gotta spread the news of our passion. service is a verb now that's community action yo everybody let's talk Look, talking ain't enough so everybody let's walk we all want freedom the eagle and the stars but the only way to reach it meet the people where they are unity's the only way to fend these atrocities you and me together can eliminate is just a vessel of expression and make sure we stay on the message of progression yes everybody let's talk bring your ideas and together we walk protect our seeds from the poisonous fruit, and we gotta reach the source and the soul in the room yes everybody let's talk
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Let's Talk More Action. This is Cameron Minter. I'm your host and my co-host back again is Sharon Price. Good morning Sharon. Okay, I'm good
2: morning. How are you? Good to be here. It is
1: a beautiful rainy day. Well, you just
2: messed that up because it is a rainy day. Yes,
1: it is a beautiful rainy day. I know, day. I wanted to
2: sleep in this morning. Oh,
1: I'm still sleepy. I'm still sleepy. I need I need to wake up right now.
2: You have a big weekend?
1: I did, I did. We celebrated a good five-year church anniversary. And, uh, yeah, I'm exhausted, but...
2: You're exhausted, but it was great. It was. It was, was, great. It was yeah. really.
1: It was really nice. I, I enjoyed myself. But I'm so thankful that I'm back at work, ready to receive my meat pie. So.
2: Dun, dun, dun. I don't I don't smell
1: it, Sharon. Where Where's the meat pie?
2: Cameron, I know I made a promise to you. And On I, air. No, I did. On I air, did. no less. I did. And uh-huh. I usually keep my promises. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. But I have... I don't have an excuse. <laughs> but... Have, if I had ever gone in the kitchen uh-huh. this past weekend, I might have thought about it. Oh, it was one of them weekends. Yeah. Okay. I didn't No, Cameron. I get it. I I'm get doing it. the best I can, Cameron. I get it. I get it. My Just... intentions were there when I promised
1: Okay. It. Well, when you, when you go in the kitchen, there'll be a note that says Cam's Meat Pie.
2: And who's going to put the note in the kitchen? <laughs> Cameron. <laughs> I... You gotta at put the some note point. in the okay. You gotta remind yourself now. I need to revise my promise.
1: Uh huh. Oh no, 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 yes, no. I need to revise it. No, this is like playing cards. You know,
2: you can't. <laughs> I won't take it back. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm not gonna take it back, but I will say mm-hmm. you will get them at some point. Oh.
1: Okay. Well,
2: at some point.
1: That's that's better than not getting them at no point. Well, that, could, that that might happen too. No, <laughs> I no, can see that <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, we're gonna bring this up every week until we get the meat pies, and ooh, everybody's gonna enjoy this conversation. And I look, am not
2: gonna talk to you about it every yeah, week. We're
1: not gonna talk about it every week. Okay. No,
2: I'm not.
1: All right. Mm-mm. Well, okay. No, I will talk about it when I get it. How about that?
2: Okay. Listening
1: audience, you will not hear about meat pies again until I am eating one. Right. And and then then I'm going to say how great it is. It was worth the wait. Now, I I feel like, you know, there's all this excitement about the meat pie. And, and, you know, you just got to live up to it now.
2: (laughs) Listen, I'm doing the best I can. Cameron, I love food. I just don't Uh, like to prepare it. But let me tell you. That's where we are.
1: This all started when you went home a couple of years ago. And the pictures of the meat pies were just glorious.
2: Oh, and they were wonderful. Yeah, the and food. I the said, "What is that?" It's great.
1: She, she said, "A meat pie." I said, "Is it stuffed with just meat?" And She was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh yes, I'm down for that."
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. And Cameron, I'm just gonna tell you, last week when uh-huh. I was the week before last when I was in New Orleans, uh-huh. the food was the best. I bet. It was. I bet. It was. I'm
1: trying to live vicariously through your trips home, so that's that's the whole point here, but. We digress. We digress.
0: <laughs>
2: National Fair Housing Month, Cameron. This
1: month is National Fair Housing. You know, there's so many things going on this month, and uh, we plan to celebrate them all. that right? Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. And today we have with us Art Crosby. He's the executive director of Lexington Fair Housing. Welcome, Art. Welcome Hi.
1: to the show. How are you doing? This I'm part? doing well.
3: Thanks oh, for having man. me.
2: What do you do at Lexington Fair Housing?
3: Uh, what do we do? What do we what do? What do we do? Yeah. We do a lot of everything. So uh, we're a nonprofit. that uh, We operate throughout Kentucky, and our main mission is to help victims of housing discrimination. Um, but as part of that, we get a lot of, like, just people saying, hey, my housing, it's not fair. I'm not being treated fair. We try to figure out what we can do to help.
2: And when you say fair, what is, what is it that – what does the law say, and then what do people
3: say? Right, right. So the law basically talks about are you being discriminated against based on your race, your color, your gender, your national origin – that type of things. People, when they call us, though, they're talking about, like, man, my landlord won't fix anything. They're charging me rent that's out, out of this world. They just raised up my cost. I can't afford to live here anymore. Those are the calls we get.
2: So is is that an issue for fair housing when the landlord doesn't fix anything? And
3: So it depends, right? Like, there's a couple of ways it could be, right? If you're fixing up all the white people's units and you're not fixing up the black people's units, that's going to be a problem with the law. Um, there's also things that's called disparate impact. And if you're doing things that are going to have an impact on minorities or on single women or on disabled individuals, um, it, you know, and it disparately impacts, you don't have a business reason for that. That can get you in trouble, too.
2: How many calls do you all get about fair housing issues in Lexington?
3: Yeah, we get probably, you know, a good 20 or 30 a day of some sort oh. of call. Um, mm-hmm. not Again, not all not all stuff that we can help with. Sometimes mm. it's just like you just listen.
1: Mm.
2: And that's enough to help.
3: Sometimes that's enough to help. <laughs> Some
2: because I it, I would say people want to vent to somebody they and they do. W- they want to he-
3: somebody to hear them out. They do very much. And then you know sometimes we'll we'll have a call and somebody will be talking for twenty minutes about my landlord, the mold. I'm trying to get my kids this this, and then twenty minutes in they'll oh yeah by the way he sexually harassed me right like it is just sometimes you have to listen to actually understand everything that's going on. Wow.
2: Well, I saw I read somewhere that the harassment calls um, have. I think there's 300 more uh, documented calls in 2020 than there was in 2019. Did that have anything to do with COVID? What what was that about?
3: I don't know. We we have gotten an influx of sexual harassment calls, and mostly it's all the same kind of fact pattern. It's young women, sometimes with kids, but very vulnerable housing situation for whatever reason, right? They're desperate for housing. And you have uh, older, we're talking usually 60- or 70-year-old men who are just using the opportunity to prey on people.
2: Wow. So. Well, that almost had me stumped right, right there. Right. That's, I didn't, that's different. <laughs> I, didn't expect, I didn't expect to hear that. Yep. What are some other things that, that, you, that may be um, a result of COVID that you may have seen increase, decrease?
3: Right. So a big thing we see with COVID is just a lot of lease non-renewals. We started to see that with the eviction, and there was a moratorium where you couldn't get evicted for not paying your rent. But landlords would just say, well, I'm not going to evict you for not paying your rent. I'm just not going to renew your lease. Mm -hmm. Um and you know sometimes it sometimes sometimes it's legal sometimes it's perfectly legal um but sometimes there's a little bit of question about this person this tenant's been in here we're seeing a bunch of this where a tenant's been in that home twenty years right that's their home that's all they've ever known kids Mm -hmm. grew up there now all of a sudden twenty years in they've been paying their rent on time just a notice we're not going to rent to you anymore
2: does that raise an eyebrow immediately
3: (laughs) right like there's a like. Anytime landlords are making business decisions, that usually makes sense, right? Like, I'm going to raise the rent because I can get make more rent. You can understand that. But when you're kicking on a tenant who's been there for a while and hasn't caused problems, sometimes you're like, well, is there something else going on that I'm not aware of?
2: And so speaking of raising the rent, yes. have we seen a lot of raising of the rent since COVID and the housing crisis? Yeah. And
3: to be fair, it started before COVID, right? Okay. It's been four or five years where the rent has just been escalating to the point where it's People are just not able to live in the city where they work. And we're not talking about people who are working part time. We're talking about people who are teachers, policemen, firefighters, nurses, right? They're getting priced out of the market.
2: Well, I heard,
1: yeah, I heard that, like, even on Georgetown Street, uh, which is um, rent has gone up like 1100 1500 on Georgetown Street, which is not like one of the prominent uh, neighborhoods in uh, Lexington, but it's, you know, it's going if, if if rent is going up there, yep. then of course in, in some of the other areas is it's even uh, more and that's just
3: find a two bedroom under a thousand is just really, wow. really tough right now. Wow.
2: Well, I can tell you I was looking at some of the data from the housing stabilization program and I was shocked at how much people are paying for rent. It is just not affordable. Right. I don't I don't know how they're doing it. Unless they're, you know, doing what they have to do and then moving out when, you know, whenever that option presents itself.
3: Yeah, and it just pushes the pressure down. So when your firefighters and your policemen and your nurses are having trouble, then they're renting in property that is a little lower in than normal. And then that pushes the people who are living in those. And then eventually those people are just really out of luck.
2: Mm. So do you look at affordability as being a fair housing issue?
3: Uh Sometimes it can be from a individual, but it certainly is from a systemic, right? A systemic idea of why does our city look like it looks? Who lives where? Is it something that's inclusive? Is it something where everybody has an opportunity to live in the community where they work? Um, and that is a big fair housing issue, I think.
2: What are we going to do about it?
3: Uh, you know, the city. What do did, we do? Right. The city does try, right? It, it, and it's not a unique problem to Lexington, right? Mm-hmm. It is a right. problem throughout Kentucky, throughout the nation. Um, and the city has put money in, the city is putting more money into the affordable housing trust fund than they've ever done before. Um, but there's no way we can build enough property to fight the demand that's out there right now.
2: And that, and that's the tough part. Yeah. That that's a tough part. Um, I'm looking for a time whenever um, something stabilizes. Do you think that this is going to yeah. correct please, itself? Please
1: tell me it's going to come I th- back.
3: <laughs> I think so. I think the, quick inflation of rent will stabilize at some point but it will continue. like we don't have enough housing for all the people who need housing and,
1: and it's crazy because like in my neighborhood they're they're building everywhere houses are going up apartments are going up and I'm and, and when I'm looking I'm like where where are these people coming from but uh it, it apparently uh there's plenty demand and uh we're just behind i guess
3: yeah uh, we've been behind for you know 30 years we've been behind and it's catching up on us now
1: and and, and the, one of the concerns that we were having um during the pandemic is you know um people not being able to afford their rent and getting evicted and then there were measures that were taken but now that's over so now where are these people going who are possibly being evicted and where where will they find anything
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, the, you know, you're it's looking at the homeless numbers, your shelter numbers. Um, you're also looking at individuals who are lucky enough to get a Section 8 voucher, right? Oh, so, yeah. So you yeah, do have yeah. a voucher. You should be set because you've got the housing authorities going to chip in. Uh, even if your income fluctuates, your rent should still get paid. Mm-hmm. Those individuals are having a, the hardest time I've seen trying to find a place where they can rent.
1: Yeah. I just saw on TV a young lady whose voucher is about to expire and she's been looking and yeah. can't find it.
2: it's it's gonna be a hard. it's It's gonna be it's gonna be a hard find yeah so art let me ask you if somebody believes that they are being discriminated against or there's an issue with fair housing what what do they do where do they go
3: they should call us um you know google fair housing lexington you'll find us um and we'll see what we can do to help um but you know again there's multiple levels of things we can do like sometimes it's just reaching out to landlords and clearing up some communication issues. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I owe this. I don't know this. And we can help with that sometimes. Sometimes it elevates to filing complaints. Sometimes it elevates to lawsuits. So there's just different levels. And
2: so I hear the music coming on. When we come back, we're going to talk about landlords because there are good landlords and then there are landlords that are not so good. And so we want to talk about that. All right. We'll be right back after the break.
1: This past year has
3: highlighted the strength of Community Action Council. Every day our staff works together to help families recover from this crisis. We're educating children at home and in person, helping parents who lost their jobs,
1: and helping households avoid eviction. Our work at Community Action Council
2: has never been
1: more important than it is right now. So why don't you join us? We have employment opportunities requiring a range of skills from entry level to advanced. Apply online at commaction.org. That's commaction.org.
4: Community Action Council is here to help our neighbors recover from this pandemic and thrive. We are operating Lexington's housing stabilization program and providing financial assistance to Fayette County residents facing the threat of eviction by helping them with past due or future rent and past due or future utility costs. The best and easiest way to access financial help is online. Type in COVID19RenterHelp.org, which links to Community Action Council's website. There you will find more detailed information about the program. To get started, simply click the button that says apply. There are some eligibility requirements which are specified on the application online. Households must live in Fayette County and must be able to show or describe how they have been directly or indirectly impacted by COVID-19 and that they face eviction and homelessness because they are past due on monthly rent. The very best thing you can do is to fill out the application that is linked on the website. Once your application is processed, someone will reach out to you using the contact information that you provide. Community Action Council has been and will continue to be here to help our community thrive.
3: Community Action Council Prep Academies offer free early childhood education and comprehensive services to children birth to 5 years old and their families this school year parents and families can choose the Head Start learning option that best fits the need of their child and family whether it's virtual or with their Head Start program or in-person learning the choice is yours to enroll your child in one of their Prep Academies or in Head Start at home call the Community Action Council today at 859-233-4600 or by going online at c-o-m-m-a-c-t-i-o-n dot org that's Action.
1: Welcome back to Let's Talk More Action. Today we're talking with Art Crosby and we're celebrating or uh, acknowledging Fair Housing Month. Yep. So, Art, I got a quick question. Now, if I have an issue and I, I contact you all, what should I expect? I mean, y'all going to fix it in seven days? or <laughs>
3: <laughs> it, it depends. You should expect that you should be able to reach us uh, either online or by phone. Sometimes if you call by phone, you might have to leave a message, but we'll try to, you know, somebody should get back to you. We should be having a real life person t- interacting, talking with you. Um, you should be expect that we hear your story, listen to you out and see what we can do to help. If it's something where we can intervene on some, like there are some where I can contact a landlord in a couple hours, we get things fixed or resolved. Sometimes it doesn't work like that. I've got cases that are open 10 years sometimes. It just depends. Wow.
1: wow.
2: 10 years is a long time. Yeah. I probably would have given up, after, you know, after year one, I've got to find something else or, you know, go in a different direction. But when we're talking about landlords, right. and especially with everything that has gone on, you know, over the last couple of years, a lot of people are thinking that landlords are the bad
3: guys. See, landlords are the good guys because they're the ones providing homes to our people. Mm-hmm. But landlords, just like everything else, comes in all different shapes, sizes, right. and varieties. One of the issues we are starting to see is that more and more, like, corporations are out-of-town corporations will buy up property and then have somebody else run it, right? So mm-hmm. you don't even have the person who owns the property live in the community. And that does have an impact, right? Our ability to reach out or resolve things, it's mm-hmm. it's just not the same, But when you have a landlord, like we're looking for landlords who want to make money off the property. Because if you want to make money off the property, you're going to put tenants in. You're going to keep the property up. You're going to put money back into the property. You're going to maintain your asset. We have a little more problems with the ones who don't really care what happens to their asset, right? They're just going to collect rent, kick people out, put more people in. Those tend not to be as good.
2: That revolving, that kind of revolving door. What kind of penalties are out there for landlords or whomever? violate fair housing laws. Right. So, so
3: if you violate fair housing, you know, it just depends. But, you know, there's lawsuit, your attorney fees, you can pay our attorney fees, you can pay the emotional damage, you can pay the cost it takes for a person to find new housing, civil penalties, 10000 can increase, right? Like, it's we, there was a sexual harassment case that we just settled uh, with the Department of Justice handled, and that was like 230000 So there can be really, oh, wow. really large penalties, and then there can also just be like, let's just get this thing fixed and move on. So it just depends.
2: Well, that is pretty substantial. I wasn't thinking, you know, that it could be a large sum like that, right. you know, but I guess it would depend
3: on what happens. And so what happens? Let
2: me ask you, does gentrification play any role in this housing crisis for affordability that we're finding now?
3: It absolutely does. And it's, it's the... It's a difficult thing because we want to improve neighborhoods, right? And we do want to improve neighborhoods, but we also have to be careful about unintentional consequences. So how do you improve neighborhoods in ways that doesn't just displace everybody who was living there? And especially when we're talking about our uh, communities of color or people who've been in areas for years and years and just have multi-generation connections to an area, like those are things you want to protect and promote. So I think what we have to figure out is it's not just about putting more money into a community and trying to watch it, thrive. It's intentionally putting money into it that helps the residents who are there.
2: And so when you when you put the money in to help the residents that are there, doesn't that increase the value, which increases the cost?
3: It can, right? One of the big things we see is you start putting money in a, into an area and then all of a sudden the rents do go through the roof. And people, we're worried a lot about the homeowners, but a lot of time it's the renters who are impacted by mm-hmm. that. And they're like we just were talking about not just oh we're not talking about gentrification and pushing you out of a neighborhood at this point. We're talking about gentrification pushing out of the whole city. Right. Right. You just can't even afford to live in Lexington anymore.
2: Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy to me, Um, because I know we've talked a lot about gentrification with PG peoples and, you know, some other folks. Um, And so we always want to increase, you know, and, and. I guess, built up neighborhoods, but how, you know, what do we do? What can we put in place that keeps it balanced?
3: Yeah. And there's no one easy answer to gentrification because there's just all kinds of market forces that are pushing things in different ways. So anybody who just says, well, if we can do this, it'll take care of the problem. That's not right. Just, um, but again, you can be intentional and you can figure out what it is and listen to the residents and figure it out what it is that they need trying to maintain, you know, the whole community.
2: Well, in maintaining a whole community then, um, one of the things that Dr. Grigsby said many years ago that stuck with me, she said housing is a health care issue. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, it's not just a health care issue. It's an employment issue. It's a transportation issue. It is a maybe primarily an education issue, right? Where you go to school is often often dependent upon where you live. And we know, like, that's just... It's things like that that cycle through generation after generation that where you, where your parents live depends on where you live, depends on where you work, depends on what school you go to. It all, it all just ties in.
2: When you look into your crystal ball, (laughs) I like to, and and wave your magic wand, if you could do that, what would you change to make things kind of all work together?
3: I don't know. I don't think, I think anybody with our segregation issue in Lexington, right? And the same segregation. I don't think there's any one thing you can change that would fix everything. And in fact, I think we're at the point if in my job, if I could eliminate all intentional segregate, all intentional discrimination, right? Stopped everybody from intentionally discriminating. I don't think it would have a huge impact because of all the legacy of stuff that we've put mm-hmm. into place already. Right. I think it's it's one Systemic. of those things. Yeah. We've been playing like there's this monopoly game and everybody else has been playing for like 20 rounds. And then you let some new people. OK, you can play now. And you say, well, the rules are the same for everybody. It's not, not the same game, though. Mm-hmm. It's not the same game.
2: My, my money doesn't match your old money.
3: Well, when somebody else owns all the property and owns mm-hmm. all the houses to say, well, you got your two hundred dollars. Start off. See how well you do. You're not going to do well.
2: Right. And so, Art, if you had to give advice um, about fair housing, affordable housing, anything, wherever you want to take it, what would you give folks that are listening?
3: I think you have to be intentional and you have to talk with the people who are affected, right? Like so much of our policy comes from up above and sometimes good-hearted and you know, well-intentioned, but it doesn't always play out like we'd want it to.
2: Uh, well, those unintended consequences. Right. Sometimes you don't um, see it through. I remember talking to you about an issue. We're like, oh, we're doing this great thing. Uh, we didn't consider right. this. You know, the negative impact on
3: it. But I do feel like you know we are before in the past. I think we were so focused on home ownership, and that's where your homes are, um, as opposed to understanding homes are actually people renting homes. Those are their homes too. And I think I think we are starting to shift that idea some. So that's positive.
2: Instead of just thinking, okay, you're you're just you're just a renter. No, yeah. this is somebody's home. If you've been there for even in five years, five years, ten years, twenty years,
3: my dad's been renting his apartment for thirty years. It's as much his house is home right. as the place I'm staying at.
2: Oh, absolutely, and you wouldn't be able to tell him any different. Right. But if someone came in and said, "Hey, you can't live here anymore,"
3: right, to give him seven day notice and say you got to leave is just <laughs> it's. I mean, any of us. Somebody telling you you have to leave in seven days would be really really difficult. Right.
1: Right. Is there is there a time frame for if you if you believe you have uh, been discriminated against, is there a time frame that you need to uh, move and act before it's null and void?
3: Yeah, there's a, like a one-year statute of limitations where we can file administratively, two years with the courts. Usually we get stuff before. Then if somebody's felt like they've done wrong, they'll usually reach out to you. Okay, Good.
2: So people don't really sit on it. If they think that they've been done wrong, they're going to pick up the phone. Well, yeah,
1: call, I guess, I guess because if your life is about to change, you you got to step out and, and, and reach out to everybody, I guess, right? right?
3: Yeah, but, you know, again, like I said, sometimes what you think might, people will not always understand, especially people who are used to the system kind of grinding you down. You don't always understand what is legal and what isn't. That's kind of, sometimes we don't do anything other than just saying, yeah, this is going to happen to you. This is how the system's going to play out. Just be prepared for it.
2: And do you think explaining people explaining to people what the process is, what what they can expect. So, do you think that's helpful?
3: Yeah, with eviction so much. Like for example, uh, people go and say my landlord hasn't fixed anything and I just want to go to eviction court so I can go explain to the judge how my landlord hasn't done anything to maintain the property and What we'll tell them is, like, you go to eviction court, you didn't pay your rent, you're going to get evicted. That's
2: what's going to happen. They don't
3: care what the landlord did or did not do on their end of the contract. If you didn't pay your rent, you're going to wind up getting evicted, so you need to be prepared for that.
2: Mm. Are they prepared for that, or does that back off? Do they back off after they know the ramifications? It
3: depends. A little of everything.
2: So let me ask you this. In Lexington, do we see or is there a lot of substandard housing um, that people are living in that they shouldn't be living in.
3: There is. There's absolutely. And there's this te- there's this difficult choice people have to make. So somebody will call me, and my unit's you know, in horrible, horrible shape. And I will say, you can call code enforcement. They might come and condemn it, and you might be out of your place to live. Then
2: you, and, you have nowhere. Yeah. In that
3: right. place that you were paying four or $500 for, because right. it was substandard, you're not going to be able to find another unit for that amount. Right. That's awful.
2: That just seems like a tough situation to be in and i don't like the answer it's
3: not a good answer but right right now the best i can do is just let you know where you're at i'm not gonna be able to fix the problem but we can just tell you what to expect Um, that's right
2: because even if you're staying somewhere where you know you probably shouldn't be that's better than
3: maybe you got a spot sometimes people can make their decision but that's you know hopefully there'll be better answers coming down the road we just don't have them yet
2: well, I certainly don't like that answer. It made me, it made me feel it made me feel <laughs> right. bad inside. It makes, it kinda, you know it, that it, you it, have it, to make choices yeah, like that. Yeah, you can be,
1: you can feel hopeless. You can feel yeah. like you know maybe I you know what what can you do?
2: Well, but you know if it made it made my heart sink for a yeah. second just thinking that about some of the decisions that people have to make. Absolutely. You know, and if it made me feel that way, I'm just wondering.
3: Right, and then you you feel you factor that out, right? Like you got a kid in school, who you're going to get relocated you have to find another place how that impacts the whole school system and how that kid's going to impact the rest of that classroom Mm. it all just it's all that systemic stuff that's baked into our system
2: what can volunteers regular people that might be listening to this thinking gosh I didn't like I didn't like what I heard what can they do
3: Uh, A couple of things. One with our stuff. So one of the things our office does is we'll do testing. So just to see if people are being treated differently, right? So we are using testers. If somebody's interested in testing, they should contact us. But, you know, why African-American? You're treated different by that landlord. So that's one thing they can do. Another thing I think, like, just getting active with housing issues on the table is something that people Mm -hmm. can do. Uh, Having um, interaction with your local council member, just explaining how housing issues do impact the community.
2: You think we're going to need more money to help do some, get it done? I think do we think? always
3: need more money, but it's not just about the money.
2: Right. It's I know we've talked about all of that systemic stuff right. um, that plays in there. And undoing is hard, right? especially when you've had generations of generations you know, of things stacking on top and
3: intertwining.
2: Undoing it is hard.
3: It is hard, but it is work that we have to do.
2: All right, you heard it from Art Crosby with Lexington Fair Housing. It is work that we have to do. Thanks for being on the show today, Art.
1: My pleasure. Really appreciate it. We wish you all well. All right, you heard it. Get out there, protect your rights, and thank you for listening to Lex Talk. More action. (laughs) Yes,
0: everybody, Lex Talk. We need community action together. We want.